0: Welcome to the Evolution Exchange podcast, a podcast platform to share interesting conversations from the most successful leaders within the Stockholm tech community. My name is Sophie Gould and I'm your host for today. Today, I'm here with a very special panel recording a podcast on how does having a diverse team impact success? Now, this is a great topic, and I know it's one that everybody is constantly thinking about, whether you're creating a new team, you're part of a HR function that drives a new team. It's something that's definitely thought about at the time. Um, And I think this is a great opportunity for us all to come together, discuss this and share ideas. So let me introduce to you my panel Now I'm going to work around the room and what I'd like to know is who you are, what you do and also what you're passionate about. So Maria, we'll start with you.
1: All right. So my name is Maria svante and I would actually like to start with the last question, what I'm passionate about. So I'm really passionate about creating change when it comes to sustainability and equality so that's been what i've been doing my whole career i was previously sustainability manager for a multinational company and now i'm ceo and co-founder of sustainlab and sustainlab is a sustained tech startup Uh, we help companies to accelerate change for both better business and better planet and we do that by automating company sustainability data handling so that companies can have insights into sustainability data as often as any business critical data so they can actually drive change and of course that's across the board when it comes to sustainability and and diversity is of course a very um, important topic in terms of that so
0: that's this is really spot on the mark of my passion oh nice no that's perfect and Abhishek will come to you
2: yeah uh, I'm Abhishek Um, uh, going on the same path as Maria, I would also start with uh, what I'm passionate about. Uh, working uh, with people, though I am not uh, an HR, I, my function is not an HR. Uh, working with people, uh, making sure that they are happy in my organization around me um, or outside the organization as well uh, is basically my passion. Try to understand uh, what they are uh, what problems they are facing and how I can help in contributing towards resolving the problem. And that's why one of the reasons that was one of the reasons why I was also the workplace ambassador at uh, Snow Software where I was working before. Uh, I am working right now. Right now I'm working as a um, head of quality. So coming from the technical side and a head of quality at Digital Drought. And um, um, I've been working there for since September, and before that, I was I was having a very long tenure with Snow Software for about six years. So, um, yeah, um, having people around me is something which makes me f- feel safe, and I that's my duty as well to make them safe as well uh, in different ways. So that's about me.
0: Oh, perfect! No, that sounds good, Abhishek, and Abel will come to you finally.
3: Yeah, uh, so my name is Abel Bucco. Um, what were the questions again? Who am I? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> who I, mean, an, I think it's an interesting question because uh, in university I studied like feminism and activism um, and philosophy and like those sorts of things. Nothing business related, nothing company culture related, nothing advertising related, but I spent the last 10 years in advertising. Um, and I kind of uh, had a bit of a crisis, as you could imagine, throughout the last pandemic. I was like, what am I doing with my life? I want to go back to my roots. Um, so I wanted, my roots were uh, social change and activism. And I was like, well, how can I keep going in this um, using my existing skills? And I somehow found myself at a FinTech company. So I am the manager of diversity and social responsibility. Um, and I've only been here since August, so I'm a little bit new to my role, um, which is where my questions are coming from, actually, because I'm really curious. I think that our different backgrounds de- definitely inform how we approach this topic. Um, so but yeah, I'm looking forward to this. I have been for a while, actually. <laughs>
0: oh, no. Do you know what? You're completely right. I think there's a few different backgrounds here, and it definitely does Give a good conversation because everyone's got different opinions different ideas um so that's great yeah so, so now we've kind of got an established kind of introduction to each of to each of you um let's just move on and, and dive straight into the topic of diversity inclusion and i know we've got a couple of different areas within this to cover um so what i'll do is i'll i'll ask you to kind of explain your question, introduce your question or subtopic and then just have a, a conversation on the back of that. Now we'll start with you Abby which was the kind of question of, or subtopic of a cross, cross-functional team and bringing diversity within that and in turn a lot of success. So I suppose your background definitely, definitely fits this but tell us more about why you chose that
2: Uh, Why I chose that, um, there is a very uh, big misunderstanding that if you have a cross-functional team, you end up doing everything, and while you're not being master of one particular thing. And uh, I'm working in an agile company, and uh, it's very important that we need to understand what others are doing help them grow in their skill while learn from them to grow our skills as well. Because the world is changing in such a fast pace right now that I'm not saying that we need to know everything, but having an understanding of what we are doing in a, having a helicopter view of what we are doing is something which is very important. And for that reason, being part of a cross functional team bringing diversity learning from others in the team can help each other grow so that's that's my angle to it it's a bit fluffy angle but uh, uh, when you actually work with that kind of environment you have you you get a lot of ideas on how to bring in diversity and inclusion and uh, different perspective from different type of people who are part of the uh, part of the team. So uh, it's more of a practical thing rather than putting it on a, on theory on a paper. So it's more about practicing it in a cross-functional team. And I will certainly like to hear what others have to say and uh, build up on that because I will learn as well what do you think about that as well.
1: I think it's a really interesting question because I have never thought of it, of cross-functional, at not being good, and I think that comes also from my background. Like naturally, when you work with sustainability, that is a very cross-functional role. You need to understand everything from your supply chain to your operations, your financials, marketing. I mean, it, it is a cross-functional role by nature. Yeah. So, to me, that has been natural. And now, when I'm in a in a tech company. It's even more natural to us because I'm so far out on deep water when it comes to technology. So if someone would have expected me to be able to, you know, do any anything without my my tech team, I would be useless. So I know my stuff, but if I if I if I can't get a program to start, I you know the only thing I can do is restart my computer. I have no other things yeah. I can do. So even though I work with with a tech company and technology wise useless. So to me, it's just, I would never have time to learn or the ability because it's just so far from how I'm thinking to be good in in the type of skills that my teammates have. So to me, I see it every day, how it brings success really to bring in different skills and Also in the most, we try to do it in our organization also in a bit random ways, like some are structured, like we know when we do, when we work with UX, we need, uh, you know, the customer success manager and we need me in it and, and, and so on. But we also try to do it a bit randomly sometimes because sometimes someone has an experience or a completely different thought. So I'm a fan of doing it in both a structured and a random way.
2: Yeah. Fair enough.
3: Evel, what do you think?
2: (laughs) Just picking up your mind, basically. Uh,
3: No, I think it, it, I I actually, I had the first, your sentence was the same. Like, this is a really interesting point, (laughs) because, uh, like, where I go when I hear diversity, uh, as I'm thinking about diversity within a team or a role, so, like, it's not enough for me to say that like a company is 50% women, like I don't care, like it's is it 50% developers, like I want each team to be that same, that same breakdown. And so when I think about like cross functional teams, um, it's like, okay, well, like, let's say we have this ideal world where each team is actually a very good mix of different identities and experiences. Um, by the mere fact that they're on the same team, that they're all developers, that they're all producers, that they're all um, UX designers, they're going to have some common thread between them. And so even though their identities and their backgrounds might be incredibly diverse, there is some sort of commonality there. So when you form a cross-functional team, again, like let's say it's let's have ideal world that each team is already super diverse. And then suddenly you form this, it becomes like even more magnified, um, which is something that i never would have thought about, but uh, is amazing to think about now. Like that's such a dream goal. And I think even if you aren't there, let's say we live in a very typical situation, like I'm in a FinTech company, the vast majority of our developers are men um most of our let's see i don't want to review with my show i don't know most of our teams we have we have different ones you know what? i'll go backwards in advertising where i have a lot more uh, background most of the producers were usually women um most of the developers i worked with were usually men the designers were a really good mix um so let's say i'm working on a campaign um and by bringing like the developers in the same room or the animators or the editors or whoever they were in the same room as the producers as along with the creatives um, if each team wasn't diverse by forming this cross-functional thing it answers that in a way so it's like regardless of what your actual team breakdown is by doing the cross-functionals uh, approach you're going to get a better result You're going to account for more um, identities of how they'll experience whatever you're creating, if it's a product or a campaign or whatever.
0: Yeah.
2: And thinking about that as well, uh, having a cross-functional team creates an opportunity for people who are not um, generally inclined towards a particular role. They get influenced. Yeah. They try to move towards that role. Uh, last year uh, when I was trying to recruit uh, somebody as a devops engineer for my company uh, where I was working most of the applications which were coming were of men we found an excellent uh, person who was um, who was a girl and we I was really surprised, first of all, to find out that oh, there's a girl applying for this post. And when I started, well. <laughs>
3: yeah.
2: And then when I started interviewing, I was completely blown away. She had developed in this particular role in the past few years, and she had excelled in such a way that we could fit. We could, if if we want to replace her in the organization, we would need two men devops engineer to replace her so she was so good and when i started learning about the interest and everything it was built in right from the childhood so there are people who have this in them but they do not do it because it's not the trend i will take an example of uh, the education system in india when when i was trying for my engineering education and I went for my counseling after I did my engineering uh, exam to uh, appear at the competition exam, I found that for mechanical engineering, there was one girl in the whole class, while in computer science, there were 80% girls and only 20% boys. So that was the trend. And uh, we have to, I mean, we have to give it a thought that and when I, I was speaking to one of the friends, he said, oh, it's so hard for me. I want to study computer science, but I know that most of the girls will go, go for that. So I won't be getting any seats for that. So we need to have a proper distribution of people so that they can achieve things uh, they, they want to do. And that's how the cross-functional class will be created and the cross-functional team will be created.
1: But I also think it has to do with like the question you, you state when you want to recruit someone. So, I mean, quite often I tend to hear people saying we're going to recruit the best person for the role. Yeah. And I usually say, well, if you think about recruiting the best person for the team instead, that will never be yet another man. If you have nine men and one woman in the team, it will be a woman no matter what. And that goes for all diversity grounds. like." If you're all 25-year-olds, recruiting the best person for that team is not one other 25-year-old. It's probably someone with a bit more experience. So thinking about, you know, what fits this team best in any diverse way, then I think that's really a shortcut to uh, to hiring the right the right people for the team and, and, and the right people for success.
2: And I have seen that if we focus on what you said, Maria, that right person for, for the team if we start focusing on that and keeping everything aside um, I think it will be a good mix of people from different age different gender different region
1: yeah
2: who build up the perfect team so there was a survey I was just listening into one kind of recruitment which had happened for uh, 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 for an organization. Uh, It was basically a musical organization. And I was just hearing in one of the diversity uh, talks which happened, they wanted to hire somebody to uh, keeping in mind the diversity and inclusion. So they had a bias within them that they have to only hire a girl. Now, they... To to get rid of that bias, what they did is they put a curtain in front of the presentation. And when they started, the the presenters came and they performed and the hiring happened. And when the curtains were removed, they found out that all of them were girls still. Now, the reason was when we put the curtain in front of them, people started hearing the sound of the way they walk. Mm. If they have heels... Then they would find out that that's a girl and they would hire them. So it is it's that kind of bias as well, which we have to get rid of. Like what Maria said, we have to keep ourselves open to make sure that uh, the the team should be perfect. The team should have the best possible people, no matter whether it is a woman or a man. I don't like the woman and man thing as well. It's a, it's a girl or a boy uh it's a girl or a boy so uh it is it is important that we keep that in mind and more in most of the cases there is a probability that it will be a good mix and age as well i mean yeah so diversity and gender
0: no i think there were some really good points there i think even in what you said able about kind of a team of Product designers all have a similar aspect of product design mentality, developers. So when you do bring them cross-functionally, of course, there's going to be more diversity with like the way of thinking. Um, similar to what you said, Abby, is you typically think of the gender, the ages, these are what diversity or the key points of diversity but the more and more I do these podcasts on how to create a diverse team or the importance or just a general topic you begin to see that diversity is so much more than just age, gender, background, nationality Um, so no I definitely think you covered some good things there. And then we'll move on to your question, Abel, or topic, which was how often and how do you defend that diversity does contribute to success? So tell us more about that one.
3: (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think that the, like I said, what my introduction is that, um, this is like new to me being in like a a corporate sort of background for this. Um, And I think I had originally, like when we first started talking, I thought it'd be a really interesting topic to talk about how one's background um, informs how they approach diversity and equity and inclusion. Um, And so like, for me, like I studied feminism and activism and all these things. So the mere thought of, does this have a positive effect on um, like our outcome that never crossed my mind? Like it never occurred to me to think like, does this actually affect profit? Is this going to make our product better? Like none of those things ever crossed my mind. It's like, when women were getting the right to vote, um, like, did anyone sit around thinking like, oh, if women can vote, how will that affect our country? Like when we were like, when like the apartheid was being brought down to Africa, there wasn't some committee about like, what will be the product, you know, like, you do these things because it's the just thing to do. Um, and just now I got a little bit quiet there. and was like staring off into space. Cause I was thinking like, when I'm thinking about like, talking to my talent acquisition team and telling them that we need to bring more X into the company. It's not because like I want to have those voices, it's because I want to fix that imbalance. So it's like, if, if like, I mean, I know for a fact, I looked this up today that like developer is the seventh most most common, um, career in Sweden. And I think it was something like 83% of them are men. So like, that's an imbalance, like that should be adjusted for. And in the same way, like, um, I think the number one career uh, in Sweden right now is assistant nurse. And I think it was 93% women. And like, that also needs to be balanced out. It's, It's not that like, for me, it's so much more about um justice and equality and like this idea of defending it it's just like so weird to me <laughs> um, and so i mean it's, this is actually kind of getting into maria's question a little bit but like the, the first time that i had like it, I, this was like brought to me it was like i was at work and i was like well we need to this is my back in my advertising days so, like we need to have more like women on our team there's like really none over here or whatever Um, And the reaction back from a woman was, what, so I should ignore all these good candidates because like you randomly think we need more women in our company? And I was like, you are, oh, what? Like yeah. <laughs> This is so weird to me. So then I like had to go out and like Google this and like I found all these studies and like thankfully there's a whole lot of data that shows that with increased uh, diversity, increased probability, with increased diversity, your market share grows and like there's just like mountains of data around it. Um, and since then, like I met, I met the, I met Zimpler now. And like when they were interviewing me, uh, like we were, we were a scale up. So we were around three thirty. 30, we were on 30 people last year and we're like a hundred and something. So now, um, and they hired me, uh, back in May and when they were like, still like less than 50 people. And I was like, why, why do you want this role? Like, what, <laughs> what, what, what are you after right now? Are you actually genuine with this? And, um, I really wanted to be sure that like when I got here, I wouldn't have to constantly be defending while we're doing this, but like everyone would just be like accepting and like and wanting it. Um, and so that's where my question is from, is like in your professions and what you do, how often are you being questioned about this? And do you have to find your, do you find yourself having to like rely on studies and data and stuff in order to, in my world or in my, how I would say things, just do the right thing.
1: Mm. I mean, to me, like now, I founded this company myself. uh,
0: (laughs) So, no, (laughs) never in a work
1: situation. Uh, And and I mean, but I think it's a really interesting question because I founded this uh, company with my co-founder, Kamal. We're very different from very many perspectives. Like, he's an immigrant from Iran. He's a man. He's... 10 years older than i am i am a woman born and raised in sweden he has a phd in computer science i studied sustainability like we we are very diverse and when we set out to start this company we said okay so what does success look like what what are the top three things and of course it's you know we're an impact company so the impact that we accelerate change to more sustainable society i mean that that's that's the impact we're after that's number one but on our top three was also we want to create a company that we can be proud of and that can work as a role role model, um, and that comes with diversity um, diversity inclusion. It comes with the way we run our company, the way we put impact first. So it comes from very very many different perspectives. So now I don't have to defend it, and but I I, I have had to do it in my in previous roles and in other places and. I think one thing that is quite sad is that, as you say, there are so much data that just shows that, you know, diverse teams are better for success. It's better for your top line. You know, it's you can show in money how much it's worth. So you, (laughs) you think that, you know, people who care about money would care. But still, it's like they are. They can't take in this data. Like to me, I never think I convinced anyone. <laughs> to take because it's, which is surprising because you would look at data in a lot of different things. But to me, that that's, hasn't been a success success factor really. I think, to be honest, I don't know how you do it. Uh, so <laughs> if anyone has a good idea, I mean, I'm all ears.
2: <laughs> I, I have a... Uh... I have a twist from the last thing, it's last question itself on this, that it brings in success because if we work towards the success of uh, an organization and make sure that the uh, we don't have to do anything specific to make the teams diverse, just work towards getting the best talent, it will automatically be diverse. Do not be biased about a particular gender region uh, age and whatsoever and when you build a team like that it might be it, it will be a dream team which will have the best of the skills they have good skill set themselves they have good learnability they have a mo- motivation to do good for the organization and when you have this good mix of people Automatically, first of all, they they will be diverse. And eventually it will lead into good numbers showing for the company as well. So I don't think you need to do anything specific apart from being unbiased.
1: Yeah, I'm actually not sure I agree with that because I think a lot of times you don't know what you don't know. So to take a very concrete example, like at the market, like the marketing department at my previous job, it was only Christians or like born up in Sweden, we're a Christian country in that sense. Even though we're, um, there are not very many that are religious. But you know, one year we, the marketing plan was done for the full year, and we looked at that. And there were campaigns for you know for Christmas and for Easter and for Midsummer, you know all of these Christian and Swedish traditions, but none for Ramadan or any other religious um, kind of festival or or, or um, because we just didn't have anyone in the team that even knew when Ramadan was. Yeah. So when if you don't even know what you don't know, like we hadn't spotted that. Hey, all of us are from a Christian upbringing and a Christian tradition, even though we're not religious, maybe. Like, we didn't even spot that until it was so obvious in the marketing plan that, oh, we miss out on actually a lot of sales opportunities here because we can't even tell when in the year they are. So I think you need to actually try and change this. I mean, if if I would have been in in that situation today, I would say, okay, so apparently we need some uh, religious diversity here because... We'll miss out on marketing opportunities and, and actually. I might re rechange change or change my mind from my previous answer that I don't know how to convince people, but I think if you can have these like super tangible examples of when diversity either, you know, really led to success or yeah. where the lack of diversity hindered you from getting a better result, like in this case. You know, to me that is a very convincing argument, at least.
2: If if we look from that angle, absolutely, yes. I completely agree with you, Maria.
3: Mm.
2: Yeah, because these things are something which, again, when you bring in these kinds of diversity in the team and the team has people from different, so in your example specifically, if people are Christian, some of them are Hindu, some of them are Muslim, some of them are from different uh, other religions, uh, then First of all, they will bring in the cultures into the team. They will add value for a specific kind of need.
1: Mm.
2: But at the same time, the others will learn from it. So if they move to another organization, they will take it along with them. So that as well is uh, a very good value add. So, yes, I agree with you over there. Yeah.
1: And good point that, like, you learn what, what you once have learned, you cannot unlearn. So, of course, that will bring, hopefully, bring more diversity to the next organization as well. Yeah.
3: There's also this idea of, um, like, ability is equally distributed, but opportunity is not. So, if you are actively trying to diversify your team, um, it may be... The situation where, like, you just literally can't find certain types of people because they've been systemically um, um, not given those opportunities. Um, so, like, there's like that, that's the whole idea of like equity programs, having training on the jobs. Like, at, at my company, we don't 100% do this, but we do this very, very often is that we more look at kind of like core values and um, interests and stuff like that and then we do a lot of training on the job or we give people like really big opportunities like I mean I'm a white guy I'm not really like starving for opportunities but like I've never actually worked in a role of diversity within a company and they took a big gamble on me um, just knowing that like yeah so I have like the the academic knowledge around this topic but the like the organizational knowledge around it is something I'm going to have to learn a lot. And so that's that's like a gift I've been I've been given. Um, So I get nervous when it's just like let let the let the talent show themselves to you, because I think there's a if you really want to get good with this, you have to put your arm out a lot further than just reaching your hand out, I guess. Mm.
1: And I think. I mean, a lot of people don't see their own privileges either. Yeah. Like, obviously you did As so you're like, I'm not start for opportunity. <laughs> um, but, but I think, you know, sometimes that's if you never had to think about it, it's hard to spot yeah. um, that, you know, you are privileged. It doesn't say you're not good at what you do, but you had an easier path than some others had.
3: Yeah, I think that that, that comes into the how do you convince people of this? Is that like uh, I've had like I did a, a like a a little session for the whole company here about like, why are DEI roles so popular in companies right now? And to do that, I leaned on my strengths and I give a history of feminism, (laughs) starting from 1900 (laughs) leading up until now, and how like, how second wave feminism introduced this idea of bringing women out of the kitchen was the phrase that was used back then. and through doing that, at the end, I had this moment where like, I'm, I'm a big hippie, by the way. So I was like, everyone turn your cameras off, close your eyes, and I'm gonna ask some questions. <laughs> <laughs> um, and everyone did it. I was really surprised actually, all like 100 of them. Um, but they closed their eyes and I asked these questions and it was just like, I started off very broad. Like, what are you invested in? Kind of getting the, the FinTech people comfortable with my questions. Um, And then I got more and more real and I was like, when's the last time you held someone's hand? When's the last time you were assaulted for holding someone's hand? Um, And the last two questions are like, who is behind you? Um, And the last question was, who's in front of you? And I had a whole bunch of like older white men in the company come to me and be like, that shook me. Like I did not see that coming, but I had never, that, that was the first time when they became like, very loud to them about like how they got to where they are and how little they've had to experience leading to where they are. Mm. Um, but I think they were already kind of tipping onto the scale. so i didn't I didn't convince them. I just kind of flicked them off the edge a little <laughs> bit.
1: <laughs> but I mean, that's super cool. i I, I read this book about it's called uh, what I Talk about when I Talk about Racism, oh, yeah. Have you read it?
3: Yeah. Yeah. And I
1: think it was so cool because just before I read that book, I read one that is like a feminist book. And I felt like I could recognize myself in everything. Like, yes, that happened to me. Yes, of course, it's like that. Yes, 100%. You know, everything. I could just, it was like a tick box. And then I read this book about racism, which is like, it's basically the same issue. Just that, you know, either, you know, you get discriminated because of your gender or your skin color. And then, I mean, intellectually, I could understand the challenges that she talked about in the book, but it never happened to me because I'm white and I live in a white society. And one thing that really stuck with me was that she said, so he asked her uh, husband or partner um, that is a white man and she's a, a colored woman. And she said, so have you ever thought about, you know, your gender and your skin color when you walked into a meeting room? And he was like, "Uh, no. She was like, I do that in every meeting. And then I thought about myself, like, of course, I have entered meeting rooms when I thought about, oh, I'm the only woman in here. Or there are 19 men, one other woman and me, and like, I need to position myself against that. But I never thought about my own skin color in relation to that. So it's like sometimes, even though it seems like I should have been able to understand this myself, sometimes you just need that person that asks that question to you or prompts it to get that thought into your mind and then you maybe you, you know you tip over to the a bit more to the good side hopefully
3: <laughs> yeah we, we we've clearly uh have some values in line here we're calling it the good side and the bad side
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> no I, do you know what it was so good to listen to that I think um I think the key thing I took there is just kind of making yourself aware it's not being aware it's actively trying to make yourself aware of these different situations um and i think this podcast i really really push on the diversity and inclusion topics because if three four listeners out there will hear what you guys have all said and and think okay well i'm going to take something like that i'll read that book or i'll i'll take that thought and i'll adapt it um i think that's that's the key here is kind of spreading that knowledge and and spreading that awareness um but no really really good good question and good talking point there abel um so then maria finally over to you um and yours was quite an interesting one and it was kind of to the panel on when did they really understand that diversity impacts success? Was it like a particular experience, a turning point? Was it from reading some research or was it kind of the innate value of always knowing? Um, This is a a really, really interesting one. So, yeah, tell us more about that, Maria.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I've been thinking about this quite a lot. Like, why do I care about this question? Or like, obviously I do because it affects me (laughs) since I'm a woman, but not all women care about this question. So obviously something happened and. and In one way, I think I like always knew it's just like one of my core values, but I also. Experienced it in, in my previous job. I was part of the management team of the company. I was part of the Nordic board and I was often the diverse one. So on the board I was on, I was 28 and all the others were 40 to 55. And being the diverse one, you might not always see what you bring to to the table and that your unique perspective changed things around. But there was actually we had this uh, in the board, we had a reflection session where we said like, okay, so what 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 has changed the last year, you know, when you have one of those conferences?" and And there was one of the the men, he is fifty, he was fifty at that time, and he said, "Well, I think the thing that changed the most for this board was that Maria started in it. And then I thought, well, that was really, you know, it's nice of him to acknowledge that because I hadn't felt it myself because of course I didn't know what the board was like before I started and but he could see that. okay wait a second. We bring in a totally different perspective here that we haven't had before and that stirs stirs thing around, but I couldn't see it myself. But then when. I, I started working with Kamal, my co-founder in my previous com- or in my current com- company. He sees things so differently than I do. And you know, often I think I have this brilliant idea and I start discussing it with Kamal, and then he said, No, but you know, I thought about this from the complete different angle. And then we end up on a common ground that is like way stronger than our respective starting points. And I had so many like aha moments when discussing our, our product and our business with him that I was like, okay, this is really how diversity works with diverse thinking, diverse thoughts, diverse starting points. But sometimes I had a struggle seeing it when I was the only diverse one. Like now I had a super diverse perspective to benchmark myself against. So I'm curious to know, like, how was it for you? Did Was it... Particular experience like that, or part of your upbringing, or yeah, when did you understand that diversity really impacts success?
3: I think I think Abhishek, you should answer, since I sort of partially answered this before by accident. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right, um, yeah, um, giving me, everybody already knows that I uh, I I have come from India, uh, mo- living in Sweden for past twelve years. And when I moved to Sweden in 2009, there were very few Indians in Sweden. There were very few to find. Mm -hmm. Uh, Most of the Indian restaurants over here were run by Bangladeshis. (laughs) No actual Indian restaurant. And it's still the case. There are very few Indian Indian restaurants over here. I, I don't know. After listening to this podcast, uh, the Indian people will let me in or not. But, that's <laughs> <it>. <laughs> but you need to give us I, some
1: recommendations for some restaurants that are really Indian, then so we can go and test them.
2: Yeah, I will. Uh, I will. I will do that. I will do that. <laughs> uh, but um, uh, when I moved here, uh, I had a thought process that. Um, I would not say it's a thought process. It was basically an inferiority complex. Indians were ruled by Britishers for over 300 years. And people used to think that if you are fair-skinned, you are far, far, far superior. Mm. That's how we have been brought up. Um, Thankfully, that was not the... Thought process. In my upbringing, in my upbringing, it was said that nothing is impossible. You you just set a target, go for it, and you will achieve it.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And um, there was uh, just a sec, just sick. <laughs> wrong time. You got time, a call the day. <laughs> yeah, there was there was. Uh, There was a time when I, after I came over here, I started um, showing very good positive results over here, doing good in my career over here in Sweden. And at that time, I was once uh, sitting down on an early morning on a weekend and thinking about what I did that I was, I was able to excel and the. The upbringing thing came into my mind. So that was one of the turning point, but that was not the final nail. The, I started working for Nodia Bank and one feedback which I got from one of the board advisors of Nodia Bank because I was reporting to her and she gave me a feedback to to my bosses in the company was that uh abhishek is one of the few people who has who knows how to work with a nordic colleague. that that was the final nail and that was a turning point of me uh, for me which made me start thinking that I have made a place for myself in this place thanks to my upbringing, thanks to uh, the flexibility which I bring in, so on and so forth, whatever the reason might be. I don't know. It might be completely inside me. But then I started triggering the thought that now is the time when I could start taking other people along with me who mm. are not only from india but have this this have been discriminated on in one way or other another which they even might not be realizing it but i will try to surface it out
1: yeah
2: uh, the but- other day i yeah
1: just a question about that. Before the feedback, did you, did you kind of see it yourself, or be, does, did it no, became no, evident no, no. with the feedback? No, yeah.
2: no, because it's it was shown to me
3: mm.
2: that I'm I have been able to adjust. So I could bring my past with me, how people uh, have uh, how people behave in this kind of environment. So taking that into account, and helping them. Uh, mold themselves to fit better into this environment because now i can fit good in india as well i could fit here as well if i go i mean i have seen best of both the worlds so i can use this mix and match and try to fit it in another country as well maybe in if i go to Americas, i will be able to fit in there if i go to africa <laughs> i will be able to
3: terrible there. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So it's it's uh, it's the I've I've been taking the best of two worlds and taking the people along with me, and trying to surface the discrimination that might happen that might be happening.
3: That really goes in like you started off by saying that you like people and being around people, and then this story it just screams that you have a very high emotional quotient and that you're very empathetic. So that yeah, that's a great story. should I go now is that what's (laughs) happening yeah Um, I mean I already kind of answered a little bit about how like for me doing diversity work is much about social justice and those sorts of topics Um, and I think maybe the first time that I started to see it now that I'm really thinking about this I was at a conference and I went to a talk I forgot the exact name of it but it was something like um, the internet is made by men for men. And I was like, I don't know what that means, but it sounds like something I might like. <laughs> and so I went to it like with a little bit of a critical eye because at that moment, even though I was very much like a strong feminist in these sorts of topics, um, I didn't really fully grasp how much of one's identity goes into when they make a product. And the internet is a product after all. Um, and one of the speakers was the founder of Bumble, which is, um, if you don't know, it's the dating app where for heterosexual matches, the woman has to message first before the man can, can message. Um, and she told the story and it blew my mind. Like, uh, so like Tinder had started by these two straight guys in college. (laughs) Um, and it started to take off and they hired two women to be their sales reps Um, And she was one of them and she got it going and it went viral. Um, And at no point was she ever like involved in the creation of the product or the UX or anything. And then there was all of this sexual harassment that happened in the company. And so she quit and she uh, filed a suit. She won. And then she went on to found Bumble. And that was the first time where I was like, Yo, if it had not been just like two straight college guys creating this app, maybe it wouldn't have been so rampant with, you know, unsolicited eggplant photos and all these things that happen on on that on that platform. Um, and there were a few other speakers, but she definitely stood out as like the most like powerful example to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, and since then, that's often how I try to. not how i try to it's how i do talk about like why diversity impacts success is that um like maria was saying you don't know what you don't know so like these guys like i don't think that the founders of tinder are like terrible people it's just they had never experienced online dating from a woman's perspective they didn't know they don't know what that's like
1: yeah you're on
3: mute you mute. My finger hit the thing. <laughs> that, was, that was the moment uh, when I stopped thinking of it as being only social justice, but um, I hadn't really gone deeper into that because I was still much more of an activist kind of guy than a, <laughs> than a corporate kind of guy. Yeah.
1: But it's also quite like now I, I don't know. The founders of, of tinder either but it sounds a bit cynical that you choose two women as a sales reps and that's also been you know a discussion in general where you have all of these uh, feminist companies or feminist advertisement but then it's all men behind it
3: yeah uh, i mean i think about uber a lot too like uber um I've, I've been talking about this a lot lately because it's on my mind. <laughs> so I like I've told this story 3,000 times in the last like two months. But what I found is that a lot of people didn't know this happened or they forgot that it happened. But um, like six or seven years ago, there were all these um, cases of sexual assault or harassment by Uber drivers. And women were reporting this to Uber. And the official Uber response was they're not our employees go away. And then there was a whistleblower who leaked just like tons of screenshots of like their Zen desk or whatever it was, where they capture all these things, where it was just like thousands, maybe hundreds of cases of women who were like, I was assaulted by my driver. And Uber is like, sorry, go away. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, that came out. And then a bunch of women who worked at the corporate offices for Uber came forward with stories of sexual uh, harassment in the office place. And it's like the whole thing was just bleeding with this and like the company nearly went under um yeah. and they basically did a hard reset and got rid of like half of their board like almost their c suite was entirely fired they brought in ariana huffington and like all these new people and like the company's a whole different thing now and they have the new products and like it's like it completely changed after they got that like toxic masculinity as i would say <laughs> yeah. out of it yeah yeah mm.
1: But it is, I mean, in our company, we kind of um, the other way around from this having uh, female sales reps, but uh, <laughs> uh, male founders. I mean, first of all, I, my co-founder is man and I'm a woman, so we're, we're equal there. But when we hired our um, chief commercial officer, so he's a 50-year-old man, white man, like from this quite wealthy suburb in, in, to Stockholm. And I was like... I haven't told him this, so it will be a surprise for him. As well. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, but uh, I was a bit reluctant to hire him because I was like, this is the first person our prospects will meet. That would be like a white 50-year-old Base. man. Uh, but I mean, he was the best one, so I had to hire him because yeah, he was the best for the role, but also the best for the team. Um, and at the same time, we hired... Uh, our customer success manager, and she's 26. So, really trying to get diversity, in, and, and and she was she's amazing. She was the best one for that job. So, um, but that was actually something we had we discussed it. Like, okay, do we want a white middle aged man to be the face of our company? then like, yes, he's the best one. We can also afford it because the rest of us are are not white middle aged men. <laughs> yeah, that's a Pleasant surprise
0: by (laughs) having (laughs) a question. I'm
3: wondering the same thing. This is my first time really, like, being in the public with my opinions (laughs) about these things. And it's like, am I going to have a job in January?
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, do you know what, though? It kind of, from everyone, it screams that you do think about these things, that you've got it in the forefront of your mind. Um, And especially you, Abby, with kind of finding out that that's, when you were in that situation that's what other people spotted and it's kind of like it's crazy that some people are so blind like the uber story it's this should be the norm it kind of makes sense it's quite logical to think about other people think about who's best for the team think about who's good for diversity um And I've recently read a book. It's called um, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Uh, Really good book. And it's something that my director kind of rolled out. And one of the habits is think win-win. And when you were all talking about those stories, um, the win-win situation isn't, well, I think this because of my opinion. So I'm right and you're wrong. That's a win-lose. It's kind of, well, I win because I this you think that let's come to a common ground let's find something that is win-win um and i think you three seem to have it absolutely nailed but if more people go into situations whether it's hiring whether it's even just personal relationships as well um having a successful mindset would definitely help by the the kind of thinking win-win and and how do we approach these situations um but no honestly that was really really good um before we finish off does anybody have anything else to add on to the topics i mean i've loved sitting here listening so i know that it's been a really good conversation overall
2: no 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 if you ask me, I can keep on talking
3: for the rest of the <laughs> I was going to say the same thing. I was like, I have like yeah, 4,000 more examples. Yeah. But I that
0: <laughs> I just, oh. <laughs> well, <laughs> we can always do it again, of course. Um, but yeah, thank you all. We'll leave it there. Um, this has been the Evolution Exchange podcast. I definitely want to take this, th- this time to thank Abel, Abby and Maria. Um, personally I think sitting here listening the insights on into this topic have been really really good so thank you so much and obviously thank you to the listeners for listening